it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, so welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 114. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to discuss a listener question. We got this great question from Jack, and I'm going to take a moment to read the question, and then Andrew and I will do our little back and forth and have some discussion about it. So starting off, we have, hello, Andrew. I'm thinking about buying a home. Monthly mortgage costs are currently cheaper than renting in my area, and my family would be able to pay the down payment for me in cash. Do you have any insight into the financial advantages and disadvantages for buying a home in this case? I have read that buying a home is not a great investment unless you are renting it out due to the hidden costs of home buying and the fact that a house is a liability until you pay it off. Do you think I should put the money I would use on buying a house to instead invest in a stock market? I'd appreciate any insight you have into this topic. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? You want to open this can of worms, huh? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> crack it open, baby. Let, yeah, let's talk about the biggest financial decision that most middle-class Americans make and how that relates to their finances. It's a very obviously emotionally charged topic. um, And there's a lot of different things. And kind of like we mentioned in the personal finance series, it's very personal. So try to listen through the whole thing without making the kind of concluding decision on it for your own personal life. Um, I'm going to try to just kind of think about all the things I know about it and maybe it will help shine some light for people who are considering this. Maybe it helps if I talk about maybe where I'm coming from with the context of it. I would consider myself the furthest thing from an expert on mortgages and homes that you can find. I mean, I still don't know. Like I know there's like multiple agents when it comes to closing and all this blah, blah, blah. And I like, that's all just like gibberish to me. I have no idea I was talking to like a home stager the other day and she was trying to explain to me how she works with a type of real estate agent. I was just like, huh? So I I don't know about that aspect. What I do know is the financial aspect about it. And I also know that it's something that a, I've been considering for quite a while, like in the, like half a decade. (laughs) Um, B it's something I've, I've run a ton of numbers and spreadsheets that should come to nobody's surprise. 
about the different kind of ramifications behind it. Um, I ha- I've done research on some of the historical data too. And so the, this, uh, I think I can help somewhat. I, I, the first thing I guess that comes to mind is you want to think, so for me, the, these are some of the benefits I see for, for buying, buying a home in general, because my kind of weird take on it being somebody who's 29 in that millennial category that I shudder just with that word millennial, but I'm in the millennial category and, you know, the typical kind of American dream picture story was always uh, buy a home, own it and, and live in it. Right. And retire in it. Um, And as all the news outlets and internet blogs and websites will love to tell you um home ownership is down among millennials it's been trending in the opposite direction and they want to blame either avocados or student loan debt or airbnb i don't know pick 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 your poison right so there's just it's definitely kind of an evolving and, and moving landscape and i think in general the attitudes around buying a home are changing at least the public viewpoints on it compared to let's say like 2015 to 2019 i think people are maybe more open to this crazy alternative where um somebody doesn't want to buy a home so like in my case <laughs> love my parents but they've been pressuring me to buy a home for quite a while i do admit i'm in a area um in raleigh in the, in the south where home prices are very, very good, and it probably would be a great investment for me. That being said, you have to kind of weigh the pros and the cons when it comes to there's a lot of hidden costs and hidden time sinks, really, that come with buying a home. So you want to budget home maintenance, and I don't know what that would mean for anybody what I've seen online are, are figures such as uh, what is it like somewhere between one to five percent of purchase price per year is what you should budget for maintenance so you know you might be living in in the house and the roof needs work or the HVAC goes out um, you know your toilet or your sink gets clogged these are all things that maybe in the past if you're renting with an apartment complex they would take care of that now you have to take care of that. And so I think a lot of people, particularly first-time homebuyers, obviously Jack's um, going to be a first-time homebuyer. That's something to consider. Uh, secondly, you know, there's going to be a lot of maintenance, particularly if you have a, a nice big backyard. Here in Raleigh, we have lots of trees. And so I have a friend who's around my age, and he recently bought a house. And he, the the thing about having trees everywhere is you have to trim them down some of them kind of die and they might, again, I'm not an expert. I think, I think if, if you have a sick tree, it gets the other trees sick and then they can collapse and, and ruin your home. <laughs> uh, you have to trim them, you have to cut them down and you have to get a specialist to cut them in the right way so it doesn't crash into your neighbor's home. Um, you have to clean the gutters because a lot of trees will make a lot of leaves. Uh, lots of different things. And then if like my friend's family in, in Southern California it's kind of an unwritten rule. If, if you have a, a bad looking lawn that you're, you're pretty much your life's out of control. So you, you need to make sure you have that maintained. And, and for a lot of people that come from my area where I grew up, that means hiring maintenance 
people, groundskeeping people, because uh, generally we're so busy with our lives. Anyway, so a lot of a lot of time sinks. So for me, you know, the trade off between having a home and renting. Renting is more expensive. It's not the best financial decision. But for me, uh, with how busy my schedule is, how entrepreneurial my drive is, uh, that's why I rent. However, a huge benefit to buying a home, I think this should be obvious too, is when you retire, uh, if you have a home that's paid off, then that's one huge expense that you're not having to pay. And so now when we start to combine that with the things we talk about with the stock market and investing, now you can live on a lot lower of a dividend income, let's say, because you don't have a $2,000 rent payment or mortgage payment that you're paying for, you paid it off. So for me, long term, I'm looking at, okay, cool. If I can pay off a home by the time I'm 65, well, then I can kind of get the best of both worlds. And so when I'm when the time is right, then maybe financially that, that will help. There's so many different other financial advantages and disadvantages when it comes to the down payment, the even we're not even talking about yet, like the potential returns for mortgages versus um, you know, real estate versus the stock market. I don't want to get there yet. I don't want to get too far ahead. So that's that's kind of my context and my kind of backstory on why personally I don't have a home, but personally I plan to eventually have a home. And a lot of it has to do more with lifestyle than it does with finance with finances. But there's also that huge factor of let's still remember retirement and the fact that having a paid off home by the time you retire is going to be huge. So that's kind of where my first thoughts are. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. 
their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I would agree with all that. Those are all fantastic points. Uh, I really like the the point about the lifestyle part of it because that really kind of hits home to me. Uh, somebody that has both owned homes and lived in apartments and gone through the the buying of the home and the selling of the home and all the ins and outs and funds of that. And then the, I guess, relative ease of renting an apartment and then moving in. You know, I have to admit, as somebody who lives in, in the Midwest and has to endure the winters, and I do say endure, uh, the fact that you don't have to shovel your driveway to go to work every day is a blessing uh, beyond all measure. And, uh, you know, the that's one of the things that a lot of people don't, uh, it's not discussed as much, is the aspect of the upkeep slash maintenance of a home when you buy it. And Jack was talking a little bit about the, the, uh, the potential liabilities and that may not be summed up necessarily in money or in large chunks of money, but it is going to be, as Andrew said, a time sink. And those are things that will take up a large portion of your time. I was, uh, I was having nightmare slash flashbacks of, uh, Andrew talking about a home with lots of trees in the backyard because the first thing, two things pop into my mind, the, the shade would be really cool in the summer. And then the nightmare part of it would be the leaves that you would have to pick up in, in the fall. Um, that is a very long, tedious process. Now, of course, you can pay somebody to do that, but then that starts to creep into this is an investment part of it. When I guess some questions that I would ask myself as if I was in Jack's shoes is he's mentioning that the mortgage costs are currently cheaper than renting in his area. You know, I know none of us have a, a, a crystal ball and we can see into the future. I certainly don't. And I'll give you an example of what I'm going to illustrate here of something that happened to me personally. So my wife and I, when we bought a home in Minnesota, when we lived there, uh, the mortgage costs were cheaper than renting uh, because we were renting a home before we moved into another home and it was cheaper. But what happened was, is the city that we lived in, uh, they decided in their uh, wise decision-making to raise our taxes so at first it was just an additional $100 a month on our mortgage. Then it became $300. And then in two years, it went from our mortgage payment being what it was to being $400 more in in a little less than two years and with more conversation about them raising it higher. So it quickly became way more expensive than we were anticipating. And that was kind of a very unpleasant surprise. And then you have to tack in all the other things that you have to do. The yard that we had for the home, which was really nice, was also bigger. 
and it was far too big for my old bones to have a push mower. So I had to buy a driving mower, which are substantially more expensive than a push. Or I could do a service, which is also very expensive. So, you know, those were all those things that I just, we didn't really talk through and have, have a plan for what were we going to do when we got involved in that. <coughs> Excuse me. And I want to also illustrate something that Jack said, uh, that he said it's not a great investment. And that is very much a truth. Uh, there's a lot of fallacies out there about different things, but buying a home is not an investment. And it is, uh, I've talked to bankers and mortgage brokers at Wells Fargo when I worked there, and they all said the exact same thing. It is not an investment. Uh, if you're looking at it as an investment, then you need to do other things with it, like renting it out or something along those natures. Um, it is not an investment. And a banker said to me one time, which I thought was really kind of a an astute judgment, by and large, we're going to be paying for somewhere to live for the rest of our lives. And what is more important than necessarily owning a home is finding something that's going to fit your lifestyle. Andrew talked a lot about uh, lifestyle and how that fits in with thing. And that is crucial because you're going to be spending, you know, you spend 40 to 50 hours a week at work, depending on what it is you do. And you spend the rest of that time at your home for the most part, unless you're like Andrew and you're a party animal and you're out all the time. Um, He's not really a party animal, but um, if uh, so, you're going to spend a lot of time at your home. So it has to be somewhere you're comfortable with, you like, you want to be, and it it really, it, I guess, the crucial thing is to think about what it is you really want for your life beyond just the money part of it. You know, where do you want to live? If you're okay living in an apartment and it fits all the different parts of your life that you really want, then that's great. And if you're really want to be in a home because that fits your life. And, you know, you love being outdoors. You love doing all the, the outdoor stuff. You, you had, you know, you're way more handy than I am. I'm so not handy. And so having that ability and those skills and wanting to do all that stuff, then a house is going to be perfect for you. You'd be, you would be miserable living in an apartment if that's the case. Uh, so those are things that I guess really kind of spring to mind when we were, when we were reading over this question and Andrew and I were talking about earlier, that was kind of one of the things that I thought really kind of stuck out to me. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, no, I I love that. Um, the idea that a house is not an investment, I think, is to 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 the guy's point that that you were talking about. Yeah, you do have to pay. What is it? Death and taxes. The only two certain things in life. So yeah, exactly. You even you pay off the home. You still have to pay those property taxes, as you talked about in your example too. So, like you said, you're always paying to live somewhere. Um, the one thing I, and I don't want to like attack real estate investors or anything like that, but I think the, the, there's this idea too, where I hear it a lot, um, personal finance podcasts, the personal finance world, this idea that, well, I'm going to buy, or I'm going to get a mortgage and then I'm going to use renters to pay the mortgage. Um, that's great. But we, what you need to understand is for one, and Ramit Sethi, he's a personal finance expert. He, I saw a tweet months ago when he said this. But for one, rents and mortgage prices don't always go up. 
And he had like a perfect example where I think it was in New York or something, but uh, like a real time example of, of how rents didn't always go up, mortgages didn't, didn't always go up. So you lock in the mortgage. If the rents in your area go down, well, what are you going to do? Either kick out your renters or you're just going to have like a negative cash flow. And that's in an ideal uh, case, right? What about the non-ideal case where let's say we have a recession and now people are flocking from whatever your house was renting at to something that's a little bit less, you know, maybe like lower income type apartments. And now either you're, you're struggling to find renters or you're having to lower what your prices were. And now your, your cash flow negative or used to be cash flow positive. Or, you know, what I think might even be more, um, more of more of a potential issue is, is you can't even fill it. And so now you're having to front the whole cost yourself. And now all of a sudden you're not, it's not like an investment for you. Not to mention, um, there's a reason why, man, what do you call the, um, the people who like, Dave, like the people who do maintenance on, on a home and they have them like, like attached to real estate investors. That name is, it's slipping my mind. Uh, handyman. Like management companies who, yeah, like they, they say like, oh, a turnkey real, real estate investment. Is it like management companies? Yeah, I think so. People that like deal with the renters, deal with noise complaints, deal with the maintenance of a house. Like either that's going to be you or you're going to have to hire that out. And, you know, it's not just this free thing. So I think Dave Ramsey says all the time, it's like you're, you're, you can, you're giving yourself a full time job when you become that. And, to Dave's point, if you like to do that kind of stuff, then great. But realize that that's another time liability uh, versus the stock market, which we love to teach. Uh, you're not giving yourself a job, really. You're doing the research on these stocks and then occasionally updating yourself on what's going on with these stocks. But you're not actually putting in you know, 10, 20, 30 hours a week maintaining properties or anything like that. So the idea, I think that's kind of an older idea that has I think through the years, especially through the housing bubble, it, it's it's an idea that's changed over time that real estate's just like a no risk investment. There's a lot of risks and a lot of ups and downs and, and a lot of liabilities, both from expenses and from time. So thinking, yeah, it's it, it's a great investment if if you're renting it out. It can be. Also it it it, it could not be. So I think be careful with that. The other thing that pops to mind that I can kind of give some context on being the the type of person I am with, you know, obviously wanting to see how the stock market returned over very many decades. Lots of studies, lots of data, lots of research saying that around 10% per year is what the stock market returns. You take out inflation, it's a 7% nominally. Nominal? Nominal. Uh, so after inflation, it's about 7%, 10% for the dollar amount. When it comes to real estate, it was around 5% over a very, very long time period. But what was interesting about that was depending on the area, it, the, the, the values of real estate can fluctuate a lot more. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yes, I think it can be a good investment. Yes, I think buying a home, you know, and having it as an as a substantial asset for the rest of your life that's definitely a possibility but i think 
some of the narrative behind it in the past has always been, well, it's like a guaranteed investment. Whereas you really need to be thoughtful and try to plan for all of the potential liabilities that come with it and understand that it's not any more guaranteed than putting money into the stock market is. And it's uh, potentially a lot more hands-on than the stock market would be. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for tonight. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about buying or not buying a home and whether it can be an investment or not. So those are some very deep things to think about. And this, like Andrew said, is going to be the largest for most of us asset we're ever going to possibly own. So trying to think through all the ramifications before you do it is very, very critical. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys have a great week. Go out there and invest with a margin of safety. And we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.